Welcome to the Build Up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Hello and welcome to the Build Up on Balls.ie, your weekly show where we get you hyped for the sporting weekend. Although this week we're getting you hyped for Thursday. That's why we're coming to you a few days early because it is a big, big week for Ireland. We are trying to finally qualify for Euro 2020 two months before 2020 actually finishes. Uh, We've got a massive playoff against Slovakia, obviously, on Thursday night. So we'll be talking to Kevin Doyle later on in the show. But that, my name is Mark Farley, and as always, I am joined by Mick McCarthy. Mick, how are you? I'm all right, Mark. This is the longest build-up that there's ever been to a football match. I can't believe it's going to happen. I don't think we've ever had a fixture as long in the reckoning like maybe at the start of a world cup campaign or something like that you know you're playing germany away on the last day maybe that's but longer but you wouldn't know what was on the line this is a playoff that we've been waiting for for about a year now it's uh it's getting it's a bit weird it's a bit weird that it's actually coming about and we're not just going to have this kind of like vague slovakia game in the future for the rest of our lives but uh, yeah, like it's do or die time all of a sudden. <laughs> There's no more messing around. And suddenly I'm very scared and uh, not, not really excited. But you wouldn't expect an Ireland football fan to be excited when something's on the line. You have to, nervous is the important, is, is, is the right uh, emotion to feel at the moment, I think. Definitely, yeah. It's like so much has changed, obviously, since it was since we originally <laughs> got to the stage where we're like, oh, okay, we're going to be playing Slovakia. Yeah. And what was it meant to be, March? Um, so yeah, got, March it was. Got, yeah, yeah, got a new manager. April, uh, there's been a maybe. pandemic. Yeah, uh, what else? We've all uh, we've all watched the new season of Stranger Things. Um, I know Stranger Things probably hadn't come out. What's come out since uh, Game of Thrones finale? That was April. Have you been watching it? Criminal? It's a very good show, actually. On Netflix. No, I have not. Yeah, I've, 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 I must have a look. That's the one with Kit Harrington in season two of it, isn't it? He's in one episode, yeah, and Sharon Horgan's in another. It's just it's an entire episode just based around. Uh, a interrogation so there are but they do kind of like there is stories in the regulars in the regular people but the entire episode just starts at the start of the uh, interrogation and ends at the end of it very good show oh, I've been watching yeah. Lovecraft Country which is the strangest thing I've ever seen uh, but is weirdly intriguing yeah. uh, and you might so, wonder so go on ahead no, I was just going to say there's no Premier League this weekend. They do have international games, but they're obviously not as many on as often. And uh, the GEA is gone. It's off, uh, at least for one week. And uh, we, who knows what's going to happen with the rugby with uh, Munster having a, a positive test now. So I think it's actually very important for a sporting build-up show that we talk about what we're watching on Netflix. I was, I was literally about to say, you might wonder why these guys spend the whole introduction talking about what good shows they're watching. But look, you might have to resort to, to, to non-sport uh, over the coming week or weeks because uh, like look I think we've been spoiled a little bit with football in terms of the fact that the Premier League has been absolutely mad I'm pleased to say my Man United Tottenham uh, prediction of nil all came off at the weekend and passed without incident and of course <laughs> Liverpool getting that routine victory over Aston Villa 4-1 I think I predicted Mick oh my god I still don't really know what to make I've I've been I've ran around the kitchen, the sitting room, every room of like stadiums, whatever. When Aston Villa have scored goals in the past, now I have to say, when uh, Ollie Watkins did get the second goal, the top corner goal, I was um, I, I, I was kind of banished to the kitchen because NFL night's a pretty big night in our house. But uh, you know, so what it was on Red Zone as probably the place on the the main TV. So I was in the kitchen watching on my laptop. Um, 
when Villa and Liverpool was on and I did kind of do that shriek where I was about to shout and realised that there was a baby in bed and instead ran up and down twice the length of the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) But other than that, I didn't kind of like celebrate any of the goals because they were just kind of like, I was like, oh my God, it's 5-1. You know, it was, that was my reaction every single time. It was, it, it was beyond bananas and it just kind of like, it was, a, it was obviously the high point for me personally, but I think for a, a, a Premier League weekend of madness, the, it, they left the best to last, you know, but like the game before that was 6-1 <laughs> at Old Trafford against Manchester United. It was nearly forgotten about by the end of the night, but even like going back to like even Saturday when Leeds got a point against Man City in a, like a captivating game for one all. People aren't going to remember it the way they are with because it doesn't have the mad scores, but it was just as mad and brilliant the game. And City dropping points, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe City have dropped uh, four out of the last six points. It's like, that's like the 18th story in the Premier League now, a few days later. Absolutely. My favorite, crazy. I think I think my favorite moment from the Aston Villa Liverpool game was actually it wasn't one of the goals. It was when Ali Watkins hit the crossbar. Yeah. And uh, the, go through the replay and Jamie Carragher just starts laughing, going, What's the key? He gets really high pitched, running gonna try to impersonate him because it's so high. Yeah. He's like, What's the where the keep where's the keeper off to? <laughs> He's just laughing away because Adrian just risked Adrian decides to go like Watkins is coming into the near post. Adrian goes to the far post and just runs out by him, basically. It's like when you're accidentally controlling your goalkeeper in FIFA but you don't realise you are yeah. so you try to control one of the defenders but the keeper just runs off in the wrong direction <laughs> Jamie Carragher had a few great moments where there was a moment as well where he did just start laughing and just goes what is going on <laughs> Oh, he's great. Which I think I summed it up. Which did yeah. I think sum it up, you know. But Phil were brilliant. Like let's face it, you know, it's like there was a real crown and moment uh sort of feeling to Grealish's second goal where he just like is one-on-one with Adrian Frage and just like waits and waits and waits and waits and then just like plops it past him really cheekily, like just like basically just kicks it straight ahead. And Adrian is just standing there looking like an idiot again. And uh, yeah, Jesus Christ, if it, even if Villa don't win another match for the season, I think uh, that's something to remember for the rest of our lives, you know? Yeah, the one worry though, and we're going to be getting into it with uh, Kevin now in just a couple of minutes, but the one worry probably from an Irish perspective is that Conor Hurahan or Hirohan, I should say, um, like his place is now severely under threat with Ross Barkley and he's probably going to start every game. Yeah. So you're looking at, if it's Barkley and Grealish in behind Watkins, you're probably looking at him trying to have to go down to a deeper midfield role if he is going to force his way into the team. Yeah, so look, to be honest, he's not getting in ahead of the front three at the moment you know, on current form of Louise McGinn or Barkley. The way I would look at it, though, is that he is the next up in all three of those positions. Possibly, like Nakamba might be ahead of him in the kind of deep line role at the moment, but, you know, he was never fully in the team last year. He was in and out. He was starting games, and then he might not play for two or three, and he'd come off the bench. And so it is an upgrade, but... In fairness to Heron, they've almost been doing that ever since he signed for Villa. They've been yeah. it's like Glenn Whelan always the you know, Stoker always buying someone to replace him and he never did. Now it is a little bit different, but what I will say is that he has got better all the time and he's become more important to the team. And he's been through this before. There's gonna be injuries, there's gonna be rotation, there's gonna be suspensions. I think actually his start of the season, even though Villa kind of did replace him in a way, his start of the season ensured that he's going to see a good bit of game time this year. He might not play every week. He might not play in the big games either. You know, realistically, to be honest, as a Villa fan who's been watching them every game for like basically every game since they've been in the Premier League, 
he hasn't had great games against the big teams anyway. The game tends to pass him by against the very good teams. It's just the way, it, I don't know why, yeah. but, uh, you know, against the Norwiches and stuff last year, he was man the match in both games. You know, he was brilliant against Fulham the other night. He does tend to kind of be a bit of a, it's, a flat track bully is an unfair way of looking at it. It's actually a very important thing to have when you're trying to break down defenses. Probably where like games are going to have more possession. Just like hitting beautiful balls. Yeah, and not be under too much pressure on the ball either, you know. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's just, it's just something I think that people can watch out for when it comes to Villa. I don't think, you, it's a pity he's not going to be playing week in, week out, but I don't think you've, you'll see a good bit of him this season, I think. So later on in the show, we will have our NFL picks. Mick will be back with those. Uh, who did you get on last week, Mick? 3-0. and 3-0. 3-0. 3-0. 3-0. 3-0. 3-0. 3-0. 3-0. 3-0. 3-0. 3-0. 3-0. 3-0. 3-0. 3-0. 3-0. 3-0. 3-0. 3-0. 3-0
Trying to, it was only after it was only was straight after the first game of the season, so people are very quick to draw conclusions. But they were saying that Jeff Hendrick, that maybe uh, you know, there's been a lot of times with Ireland, he hasn't been at, up to the standards he was, say, going into Euro 2016 or at Euro 2016, and that maybe that was down to the way he was playing at Burnley, and that once he's let off the leash a little at Newcastle, um, but straight away he got the goal and assist in this uh, opening mm-hmm. game of the season. Now I don't know how much that is, but how quickly that can turn around for a player. But can there? the way they're playing at their club kind of spill over into uh, the national team and find it difficult to adapt or whatever to different tactics? Um, no, I always thought the opposite. You know, if you, it was a good chance to play a different way at your national, national team and, and a break from maybe the stress of day-to-day club football or if you're not enjoying your training or your manager club football, it's nice to come out of your national team. So I don't think... It, the thing with Jeff, more so for me, is trying to pin him down in a position. I think he's, he's a very good player, but trying to figure out, you know, is he... You know, he sort of drifts out. He's, a, he's, a, he's played on the left of a tree, or do you play him nearly in a more forward, nearly in a number 10 role, or do you play him as an actual centre midfielder? And I don't know what his his best position is. And I, I don't know if, I don't know, I've never, I, I know Jeff, and I've been in squads, and I've never really asked him what his favourite position is. I don't know what his favourite position is. Um, you know, he, he has an engine that he could be a box to box type midfielder through the centre, and I, I'd like to see him more there, but he seems to have been. You know, poked in positions and put here, there, and everywhere, and never really settled in the one position. I think that's his biggest sort of uh, drawback, I suppose, or the biggest thing he needs to say is find a position and, and stick to it. And it's nice to be able to play a number of positions, it gives manager plenty of options, but also for yourself as a professional, it'd be good to, you know, sort of nail one down and, and really concentrate on that and become a, become a specialist in that position instead of floating around and not being 100% sure where you're starting every week. Can I and ask you? About- he seems that. Uh, I was just going to say one last thing on Hendrick he seems to have that uh, like I, I know I've noticed a lot of time with him playing for Ireland is he's not afraid to go and get the ball off the centre-backs a lot of times you'll see you know when we're kind of giving out we're playing long balls or whatever that sometimes you see midfielders will just the ball be at the back and they'll turn around and they're kind of <laughs> gone up the field looking for it but that's probably the thing when it was even with box-to-boxes that we want him kind of as an attacking role but at the same point he's probably one of the best for getting it off getting looking, being brave enough to look for it off the centre-backs and try and play it out from there Yeah he's he is a little bit different to what we have. He also, so I'm getting a goal, he pops up with some important goals. Um, yeah, he will look to get on it and he's, he's he has that carefree attitude where, the, you know, he will look to get on the ball and pressure won't affect him, you know. Some people, it just, when the pressure's on and they just go, you know what, get it forward, get it away from me as quick as possible and, and I won't look for it, but Jeff will look for it. He, he will, um, you know, yeah, and that, that suits the way we, it looks like we're trying to play. Um, in the first two games under Stephen anyway. So it's a big pressure game, this one. Um, whether he's played in that role of being a sort of midfielder and getting the ball off the back four, I don't think so. Would he, I think he would have played him in that role if if that was the case. So I don't see him doing it. I think he can do it. And uh, I would like to see him play more in that role. I think that would suit him more just from from the, from the watching Jeff from the outside. Um, but all managers who've played him seem to like, to like to see him drifting out wide, drifting in off the side of the left of a tree or, or, or you know, being that more... More midfielder, I suppose, like a Frank Lampard type who doesn't get involved in a whole lot of build-up play and ends up in the box and he can goal. That sort of, you know, it's hard to pin him down what, what his, you know, exact position or role is in the team. So, um, yeah, I don't see him playing him like that, but I do think he could do it. I think he'd be good at it um, because of his attitude, because of his, his, I suppose, nearly carefreeness that the pressure and getting on the ball wouldn't phase him. I ask about the attitude this week, of, or the attitude on Thursday night, really. is like, I know in the past, Ireland managers have been kind of like, you know, oh, let's 
you know, play it safe for 70 minutes and then we'll yeah. try and go for it in the last 15 or 20. You know, I know that even Mick McCarthy was like that in the Denmark game when it was a must win and, you know, the draw meant nothing, but it was still, oh, look, we got the draw we, and we had injury time to go for it almost. So, you know, the attitude sometimes has been, hasn't given us enough. Would you like a manager to say, like, you know, we have the, we have the, I suppose the fallback of penalties if we do play it safe, but do you expect kind of Kenny to say, do you know what, go out and win this. It's a tough away match, but what's yeah. the attitude going to be, I suppose? I t- even, I don't know if you've seen, seen his interview, he's saying, listen, we're going to be going for it. We're not, mm. you know, he's putting that out there straight away. That sort of, and that'll be in players' minds. You know, it's not a, a it often seems to be with, with us and with managers and with, with our teams, it's survive for as long as you can in a game and hope that we get a big, you know, roar in the last 10 minutes and, and nick a goal. Um, and uh, it's, I don't think that's the right attitude to go into a game. I'd love, listen, if we could harness that energy and that, will to win that we always seem to have in the last 10 or 15 minutes that ability to come back from yeah. one one down or to nick a goal if we can harness that and use it from the beginning of the game I did listen it's easy for me to say that sitting here but um, I would like us to be a lot more positive on the front foot from from the off it's definitely um, it's 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 something I think Stephen Kenny from what I hear him say is, is of that mindset as well so why why sit back and and invite pressure for 80 minutes and then come out of your shell and hope to nick a goal. You know, why, why not just be on the front foot, pressing, harassing, you know, playing that style, which is so effective for us in the last 10 minutes when we play great football over the years. And people always ask me, why didn't you play like that? Like play like the last 10 minutes for the whole game. You know, why? It's, it's getting that into players' minds, getting that mindset from minute one. Um, and he seems to have it from the interviews anyway. I've heard him just in, in the build-up to this game, even talking about being on the front foot and taking the game to them. So that's positive. Yeah, if you're a player, are you like as much as you're probably wanting to hear that, and especially as a forward, how much is kind of in your head about, geez, this could go to penalties. Am I going to take one? Yeah. Uh, you know, am I going to be on the pitch for it? You know, does it like it's a, it, it, you're almost approaching the game slightly differently when you know that, a, yeah. you know, it's it's not a group game. It's an actual, you know, that it could always have that uh, outcome. I remember that feeling that France playoff game. Um, going, Shit, I'm going to be taking a penalty here. <laughs> um, didn't come to that, but yeah, definitely yeah, it was in my head that night anyway because I was down. I would have been the penalty taker. I was taking for the club, and it, was, it would have been the most pressure I'd have been under. And I definitely, I didn't really think that at the start of the game, but I remember as we head into extra time or whatever, I'm thinking, this is going to penalties here, and um, I'm going to be on the pitch um, till the bitter end here. So. I think, yeah, it's in your head. Um, not so much in the 90 minutes, but the minute you get into that end and the referee goes whistling with extra time, you always, yeah. I always, you know, even though it can be, it can, listen, you can win or lose it in extra time, but um, I always felt this is going to penalties. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it'll change their mindset and how they play during the game, but definitely their mindsets as they go into injury time, sorry, extra time. Uh, but I hope, yeah, listen, you, you, don't, you don't sell for that and you don't start the game thinking of that and you don't play open for extra time and penalties. Um, yeah. That's something. Substitutions and things like that definitely come into the manager's mind, I would imagine, with 10 or 15 minutes to go and, and who he needs to leave on and who, who he might take off when he's good at penalties to leave on. So that side of it comes into it then, but not, not to begin with. I got off on a total tangent here, actually, but just something occurred to me when you were saying that I was thinking about that match in Paris when you're talking about it and think about how much the Irish players gave to that. And I don't think anybody... I've never asked you or asked another player, it's like, do you think playing 120 minutes at high intensity uh, ever comes into the conversation where people saying about the pressure of a penalty shootout like you must be absolutely exhausted by the time it comes around 
that um, never really comes into the whether you should yeah. miss or, or score, you know? Yeah, definitely it's... Um, you, you don't be thinking about it at the time, but it's probably, it, it would be a foul sequel for both teams. Yeah. Um, I suppose that's the idea of bringing on lads to take penalties maybe, but yeah, because you'd be getting, you know, you'd be starting to cramp up, you, you know, you make bad decisions when you're tired, you know, and, and that's equally the case if you're tired and going to take a penalty. Um, so it's, it's the same thing. I, I, I Not too many of my career. At one near the end of my career, we, we um, we're totally off a tangent here, but uh, went extra time and kind of shoot out in the MLS Cup semi-final or quarter final against LA Galaxy, but yeah, and there was a lot of tired, bad penalties. It was after a hot day and playing, you know, 120 minutes, and you go to that, and yeah, you see the standard drops. But um, yeah, it's the same for both teams, so you can't really, I suppose, make excuses too much. I suppose the big thing when we're talking about the attitude as well is going to obviously it's not just the mental side of it, but tactically and trying to change the way we play. We're saying let's not overreact to the couple of Nations League games that there's only been a couple of training sessions or whatever that Stevens had with the team. But how quickly can players adapt to that? Like, is that more of a long-term thing? Are, are they able to... Is it simply a case of like, you know, we don't want you to hoof the ball up the, into the challenge. We want you to play through the lines and <laughs> the lads go, all right, grand, no bother. Uh, or does it take a long time on the training ground? I, I Listen, that's the same lack of training still stands for this game. You know, he's only going to have had two or three more training sessions this week. So like that, you know, whole argument still stands. I think it's... I think players are more adaptable now, younger players especially. Lads who maybe been in the squad a long time might still you know, have that ingrained in them maybe, but younger players are all, like all the clubs are trying to play really good football nowadays from what I see. Might be very good at it, but they're trying and all the players will have been brought up in that philosophy and ingrained them and the Irish squad's a young squad now. Um, it shouldn't take too much to, to, to get them, you know, I suppose, into that style of play. They're doing it at their club, but it's more of, uh, more just getting used to the manager um, and his way of doing things and his personality um, and you know I spoke to you before about you know when you're under pressure you revert back to what you did before you know when you're under pressure it's right just get rid of it and then you know and what we've done before with Ireland and, and it works out usually you have a big target man and we can win headers and we can get up the pitch and, and that's what it comes back to but the fact there's no fans at the game and there's no outside pressure that way should help us actually play football in a, in a strange sense. I, I think it's actually a negative for us not having fans there in a playoff game. I think Irish fans, and I'm going off tangent here, I think Irish fans bring, you know, you're leaving the hotel when you're in Slovakia and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of Irish fans singing as you're getting on the bus and cheering you and gives you that, really gives you that extra one or two percent that, you know, you go out into the stadium, there's many more Irish fans there and you're doing the warm up than home fans and we're missing that now and that really to me boosts especially in those playoff games we've always done well in playoff games big playoff games we haven't done so well away from home in normal games but we don't have the same away fan presence as you would do in those big playoff games when the whole country seems to be wanting to be at the game and talking about it seems to give you a massive boost that we will be missing so to me that's a big negative for Ireland I think it's a bigger negative for Ireland playing, not playing from the crowd than, than Slovakia but on the back on the other point about talking about passing and playing football, it might actually help us in that sense, possession-wise. You don't have that roar from the crowd and that cheer that gives you that shit. Just, you know, a crowd roaring at you under someone closing you and just get rid of this and, and that side of things. So that might help us play a bit of football. But again, I've dragged this one out. The, the lads are all, they're all good, technically good footballers and it shouldn't take too many training sessions for Stephen to get his point of view. They've done all different formations at their clubs over the years. They've been well-versed in 
and his style of play isn't magic or isn't massively different to what they would have been taught over the years. So it should, once you get everyone on the same page, and that's why he's kept the team fairly in those two games, didn't make a whole lot of changes, kept it fairly together so everyone would be on the same page. And he's not, you know, people are like, why didn't he play 3-5-2? Why did he stick with the white? And he gave himself a second option. Well, he only two games before this game. He had to get it in their minds. This is what we're going to play. You know, get out of your head that we're playing anything else. Focus on this and stick to it. Prediction time. How would you see it going? My wife is just looking at me here for some reason. I have our car keys. Sorry, lads. Uh, Edit. <laughs> Edit. It's good timing. Good timing. She's yeah. <laughs> gone for the second school run now, the three o'clock school run. Um, oh, God. Right. Start to get prediction time. Go on, let's say it again. Yeah. <laughs> prediction time. How do you see it going? Oh, the usual. Hark would say Ireland. Head would say, Head would say very difficult. I, uh, because of the lack of crowd there, I'm going to go with Slovakia away. Um, Slovakia home win. Not Ireland away, Slovakia home win. I think, I think we'll do fine. I think we'll play fairly well, but they're just a good footballing team. Um, and I, I just think not having fans there is a, is a bigger negative for us than them. Um, I, I'll go with them. Uh, probably 2-1 Slovakia. There you go, eight five on Labrox for Slovakia to win. But it's kind of look at if if it comes off if, if Slovakia win, you were right. And then if they don't win, then we have the the giant of the Euros to look forward to. So playoff. Or sorry, it's giant of the playoff, which yeah, is right. Yeah. Um, what do you Thanks. think, lad? I haven't heard your predictions. <laughs> uh, Ireland to go through, but not to win in ninety minutes. Okay, yeah. So I have a feeling we'll do it. I don't know. Maybe extra time or... I don't know why. I, I was saying to Mark earlier, though, you have this confidence before uh, an Ireland match um, that you tend to have that sort of uh, belies evidence of every match that you've watched over the last <laughs> number of years. Yeah, yeah. The, the build-up we in the week Germany feels... Are, yeah. yeah. If we playing Germany, we'd still be saying, yeah, you know, my heart's saying we could do this and we could probably good performance <laughs> here. And, you know, that, that's great, great to have, though, and uh, great belief in ourselves. So, yeah. Definitely. Hope springs yeah. eternal. Thanks a million, Kevin. Hopefully we've uh, an enjoyable game on Thursday night. No worries, lads. Talk to you after. Bye. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks a million there to Kevin. I cannot wait until we finally get to play that game on Thursday. <laughs> and it's also going to have a big influence on 1-2-3. If you've never listened before, 1-2-3 is your chance to win yourself €100 Euro cash on labrooks.com by predicting the scores from three of the games this weekend. This week, it's the difficult one. Uh, well, they're all difficult given when, when you see Spurs beating United 6-1 and uh, Aston Villa trounced in Liverpool uh, it's very hard some, some weeks yeah, but this week, last two weeks have been borderline impossible I have to say so yeah. hopefully this is a bit more straightforward exactly they're all Nations League games this weekend and Ireland and Slovakia do feature in them but not against each other obviously it's Ireland against Wales England against Belgium and Scotland against Slovakia so first up it's Ireland-Wales all we're being, obviously all anybody is thinking about is the Slovakia game yeah. So now you need to switch up here, Mick, and consider what's going to happen between Thursday night and Sunday at 2pm when Ireland take on Wales and what's the score going to be. So if Ireland win, there's euphoria and we know whether we're going to be playing Northern Ireland in Belfast or whether we're going to be playing uh, Bosnia. And it's going to take a while to turn our focus to the, the Nations League game against Wales. If Ireland lose, you would imagine... 
fair enough, they, that might be their way of lifting the management and players' way of lifting themselves. But at the same time, you have to think it's going to be really hard in a couple of days to come back from that kind of disappointment of not qualifying. Either way, I think it doesn't look good for us, Mark, I have to say. Um, I think I'm going to go for 2-1 to Wales. 2-1 to Wales? Yeah. I, I don't want that to happen. I'm just I'm trying to win myself 100 euro. I have, for so, like, in my head I was thinking nil-nil, but then, like, this season is mad, and there's loads of goals. Every time I think nil-nil, like I said nil-nil for Spurs in the United last week, and it ended up in seven goals in it. So, I'm going to say two-all here. I think United, or I think I say United, Ireland would be buoyed by qualifying, um, and I'll talk about that in my big shout about how they're going to do it. Um, and I think that that's going to get them, that's going to see them, we'll be carried yeah. on the wave of uh, euphoria. I don't know if maybe you, you're saying it might you know, distract No, I've them massively changed my mind. <laughs> no, I have, I have. I think Ireland are going to win this game 3-1. 3-1? Yeah, big, I don't, I'm sorry. I'm, last minute I'm flip-flopping here, but I've, I've just decided that we are going to get something on Thursday night. And I think that actually that's going to kickstart a run for this team and a bit of self-belief and they might just go and do Wales, you know? Might be like our first game in the Aviva in a while. Well, since the last one. <laughs> since losing to Finland. <laughs> Swear uh, I didn't think about this in advance, Mark. That's all I'm going to say. But you'd be wrong. And then up on uh, Sunday evening at 5pm, it's England against Belgium. I think Belgium are the number one ranked team in the world right no, now. The best team right in the same. world, I heard. Yeah, they didn't win the World Cup or anything that was on no. only two years ago, but the best team in the world. Yeah, the best team in the world against, uh, of course, who would have been the best team in the world only for uh, Croatia uh, doing the way the World Cup. Yeah, Two all, did you say? They cheated by winning. Um, Yeah, yeah, I'm going for two all in this one. I'm actually looking forward to this game. Uh, It's on straight after the Ireland match as well. So it could be a good Sunday afternoon, actually, leading into um, the Scotland game indeed. We we'll get to that. We we'll get to that. <laughs> What's it called? A barn, barn star mark? I can't remember the phrase. Barn, barn burner. I don't know. Yeah. Barn burner. I can't remember. Uh, anyway, England, Belgium, Belgium. I'm going to go for nil all here. No, oh, sorry, one nil Belgium. I go well. Gary Southgate. Gary Southgate's going to uh, play three defensive midfielders, and it's going to be very boring. Uh, so I'm saying we have one nil Lukaku to score. Uh, beat for Belgium to beat England, and then England will have all the uh, Tammy Abraham birthday party lads back for this game as well. They're not playing against Wales on Thursday night, but they're um, going to be back. Yeah, apparently they'll be, but they're just taking an extra day or two out of caution. Yeah. That's Chilwell, Abraham, and Sancho, I think. So probably only two. And of then them Scotland against Slovakia, quarter to eight Sunday night. Scotland will be buoyed by their uh, by the fact that they're playing. Who are they playing again? Playing in the, they're also playing in the. They are, yeah. European qualifiers, aren't they? I can't remember who it is. So I was, I was looking at it five minutes ago. Um, they're playing Israel. Israel, uh, they'll beat them. Yeah, they're going to beat Israel, and they're going to be on the crest of a wave. Slovakia are going to be knocked out by Ireland. So Scotland are going to continue this great run, and it's going to be one nil to Scotland. Not. I put up my fingers to say one nil beforehand. I think it'll be also one nil Scotland. One nil. There we go. We agree yeah. on it. Good stuff. Whatever you think yourself, get on to labbrooks.com right now and play a one, two, three. If you get one of the scores right, you win a five euro free bet. If you get sorry, if you get one of the scores right, you win a euro free bet. If you get two of them right, you win a five euro free bet. And if you get all three, you'll win yourself one hundred euro cash. All right, hold it. Steady. Just hold it, Alan. Push him out. Steady, David, don't get round. No, no. don't. Blood. 
Day! That is the voice of Graham Taylor, meaning it is big shout time. Your chance to win two cakes and a sports biography by sending us in a prediction that is 25 to 1 or greater on adbrooks.com. And if it comes off, you win yourself that coveted prize. Mick, you were close last week with your massive one, but you were also a million mile away at the same time. <laughs> I had seven bets and five of them came off, which sounds pretty good. And Glen Rovers was the last one true, and that they lost obviously to Black Rock on Sunday night. But unfortunately, the first game out was Moorfield and a tie in the Kildare County final, and a tie won it, won it well. And uh, my big shout was ruined before it really got off the ground because every other game was on Sunday. So even though I did well, it was a good pick. There was no drama involved. Unfortunately, it was gone from. I think I just sent you a, a, a two-word message, the second one being Moorfield <laughs> and the first one being an expletive, expletive on Saturday night. Um, but yeah, I was happy with the go, but ultimately there was never any... Uh, there, there, wasn't, there wasn't even a slice of cake in my future at any stage, never mind two. Yeah. Uh, with this week, I am back in the driving seat and I'm calling this Ireland and Friends big shout, Right. Because I get to I get to the Ireland Ireland Slovakia are included in this, but I'll get to that in a second. Because the other two, it's a treble, right? And they're all to do with playoffs, the Euros. It's the division below us, or the, whatever you'd call it, the Nations League group uh, below us, and um, that are have their semi-finals on as well. Georgia are playing Belarus. Uh, we always have a nice. Uh, we always beat Georgia, but struggle to beat Georgia, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is good. Probably the best way there, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they're five to four to beat Belarus. They're just about favourites for that on Labrooks. So I'm going for them to beat Belarus. In 90 minutes? North, in 90 minutes. Yeah. And then North Macedonia, uh, formerly Macedonia, now I think the Republic of North Macedonia, um, are playing Of course, they used to be the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia as well for a while. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it might be even Northern Macedonia, they're called. But anyway, um, they're Who playing Kosovo. They? <laughs> uh, what a game. Now, Kosovo, a huge... we don't... Yeah, we don't have much history with Kosovo. Obviously, um, we do have with Macedonia. And that's why I'm going for Macedonia, North Macedonia to beat Kosovo. They're 6-4 to four on Labrooks. Again, just about, I think Kosovo are 2-1. to one. So North Macedonia are just about favourites for it. This is like, though going to be, yeah. uh, this, is, this is a really interesting game. And that's why I kind of was almost kind of drawn to it straight away as well. Two big derbies here, Mark. I like it. And I also like that we live in a modern world where there's so many bloody channels that I guarantee this is on something and you can actually watch it. Um, I'll tell you one thing, right? There was a talk there for a couple of months that uh, Aston Villa were signing Werder Bremen's Milo Rashica, an exciting winger who uh, scored lots of goals against Bayern Munich and Bush Dortmund in the last couple of years. And I found myself following some Kosovan Twitter accounts. (laughs) So all of not only is Rashika someone I would be excited to see, but uh, this same, uh, especially this one account who was breaking all the news of where all these people were going, we're talking about some really good sounding players that I've never seen play football going to some pretty decent sized clubs, and it made me think that uh, I'm not hearing too much about the North Macedonians uh, getting big transfer deadline day moves, but uh, there seems to be a lot of Kosovans who are going to big European clubs. So. Uh, Literally based on that, that alone, I'm worried about your pick. I see. Well, look, at I, I can't say I know too much about either side, bar that I, I went for. I was going sticking with the theme of Ireland and friends, so uh, North Macedonia stuck out to me. Uh, and then, of course, the other one that's the big, the big shout, the real big shout in this that will actually bring me up to almost 32 to 1 is Slovakia and Ireland on Thursday night. I'm oh, no. going for a draw, one all. 
<laughs> You're actually going for the one off. Yeah, correct this... score, one all at 19 to 4 on Labrooks. Okay, well, picking one all in an Ireland match in Stephen Kenny's first game against Bulgaria got us in the shape of Donny Mahoney, who was in as a special guest that week, the closest we've ever come to a big shout win. Uh, when he got that up and then the other, I think England let him down against Iceland uh, to top up at the end of the bet. Um, and it'll never let you down. One all no, in 90 I'm minutes. A, I'm annoyed. I thought it'd be bigger odds, but then at the same time, when it's guaranteed to happen, why would it be? Uh, so, Is it an extra time or penalties? Is I think it even we'll, extra time? I, I think we'll do it. In, um, I think we'll do it on penalties. I, I don't know. I just think the way the football season is going... Uh, I'm so excited it's like the most dramatic it's like what, what way could this be the most dramatic ever and uh, any game I'm looking at do you see speaking of penalties AC Milan against uh, Rio <laughs> Ave was Rio Ave I don't know how to pronounce it Ave from Portugal last week the most ridiculous penalty shootout ever it's on balls that I urge you to go and check that out if you haven't I know it's almost a week old at this stage and it's obviously the big news and it was the following day of the Europa League draw with Milan in the same group as Celtic but uh Check that out if you haven't seen it. But I think Ireland will repeat the heroics of AC Milan one week later and beat Slovakia in penalties. But that, that's, all, that's, all, uh, that's all neither here nor there. Because what's going to happen is it's going to finish one all. One all in Ireland, Slovakia. Georgia, Belarus, Georgia to beat them. And North Macedonia to beat Kosovo. So that brings me to 31.341 on labrooks.com. Comfortably over 25 to 1. And if I apply the odds boost, it bumps me up to 30, 34 to 1. So there you have it. Nick. Okay, I'm I'm all on board. I told you about my worry about the 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 magic Kosovans and all my inside knowledge on that. Uh, I like Slovakia won Ireland won. If it does, I would prefer Ireland to win the game, but uh, I'd take a one all. I. What's your prediction? I wouldn't be too far off what you've just predicted there. Actually, to be uh, honest, I don't think we'll be beat. Funny enough, but I still would worry about us not qualifying. You know, like if it's yeah. uh, like a draw. Like I don't think we'll be beat. I think we can go and take it to them. And if we do, you know, we've the right manager and the right setup and the right kind of belief and hearing like Robinson talking there yesterday and Callum O'Dowd and stuff like that, I do think they do believe they can win it. And they definitely have the license to go out and actually go and do that. So that gives me positivity. Look, Kevin talked about it better than I did, than I ever will. Uh, but I've I still have more positivity, but... We've been fooled before by Ireland. We all, like, you know, in the build-up to games, we think, oh, yeah, you know, here's who's playing well in the Premier League and here's who's doing this and here's what the manager is saying and so on, and then we go and start the game. <laughs> so, there's just, you know, I'm just trying not to... I'm trying not to be too gullible here, Mark, I suppose. Just just throw yourself but I do have positivity. Mean? I don't know about you. Uh, I think, well... You know, as as positive as an Irish person can be, we're going to go through on penalties after a one all draw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Darren Randolph, you... come on, buddy, buddy. You haven't had much exactly. to do this season. You lost four 0 in your only game in the League Cup uh, against Everton. You know, step it up for Ireland. Save three penalties and don't even have any drama. Like save the first three penalties. Yeah, you know, give us Easy. a chance to miss one and then take one yourself. And yeah, well, why not? Score the winning one. Yeah, exactly. Look, send us in your big shout for the weekend. It obviously doesn't have to be uh, just about football. It could be anything. Although there's not a whole pile of uh, major sport on this weekend, but we've got, uh, obviously, Formula 1, the, the Grand Prix in Nuremberg. I don't know what to even call it. It's the Eiffel Grand Prix or the Eiffel Grand Prix. Uh, yeah, the the French man. Open, which is set up to be, uh, looks like we're going to have a Rafa Nadal and uh, Novak Djokovic final, which will be an interesting one. Whatever it is. NBA yeah, finals. Uh, NBA got, finals a little bit. Game five tonight. 
Um, so you'll definitely have at least one game at the weekend. Um, well, only one. Uh, game six will definitely happen. Um, so that'll happen. There's, there's two games to come. And you've got the NFL. I think we're going to say the NFL picks, which we'll be getting in just one second. But if you, whatever it is, just send us in your big shout to the gaffer at balls.e. Put the big shout in the subject line. Uh, send us your prediction. If it's 25 to 1 or greatheronabricks.com. And if it comes off, you will win yourself two cakes and a sports biography. As we mentioned before we go, it's time to get Mick's NFL picks. Mick, before we get into what your picks are for this week, and obviously you want to. Uh, luxuriate in the 3-0 and we went last week one that was kind of going on on Twitter at the same time as Aston Villa and Liverpool and I couldn't really because I wasn't um, into it enough that, to know what was happening I didn't really understand why it was a big deal and then I realised oh wait it's the Browns that's why because the Dallas Cowboys lost 49-38 to the Cleveland Browns mm. am I right am I not right in saying that the Cleveland Browns are awful and then obviously the Dallas Cowboys is basically uh all, my Dallas Cowboy thing is that like they're the biggest team in the NFL just by like name-wise, yeah. people would know. And also, Homer wanting to own them uh, and getting the Denver Broncos instead. That's yeah. That's, that's where uh, <laughs> Cowboys' knowledge yeah. stops. It's a long time since the Cowboys have won, but they're always kind of on the verge, and they are the biggest team. Uh, they're the biggest media team. They're the team that are always on like national TV in America. Uh, a lot of fans over here as well. They're a mess this year. It's so funny, right? So they got in a new coach, Mike McCarthy, a.k.a. me, uh, the former AKA Packers. Mick McCarthy, former Ireland manager. Exactly, yeah. But he is actually, in actual fact, Mike McCarthy was the Packers Super Bowl winning coach in 2010. He was there for a long, long time. Kind of just sort of lost its momentum and he left. Took a year out last year and now he's back with the Cowboys. And it was like, oh, this is going to transform their offense. And, you know, they're a contender this year. They've got all the bits. You know, it just seemed like that they were kind of set up for at least to be one of the three or four Super Bowl contenders on the NFC side. They started off one and three. They've lost. The only game they won was an insane, stupid comeback where they scored 50 points against the uh, against the Atlanta Falcons, who like who are 0-4 and have lost all their games, and some of them hilariously. Um, and they've lost all their other games... And then they go and play the Browns, who are the Browns, right? So you're saying you thought they're awful. The Browns weren't meant to be awful last year for the first time in a long time. So they had Baker Mayfield, who, every, who yeah. played half a season the year before, and they come in and was meant to be the next big thing. And then they signed Odell Beckham, and they had Jarvis Landry, and they have like really good running backs. And you know they got the number one pick in the uh, draft as a defensive player, Miles Garrett. You know, and they ended up being a disaster. Miles Garrett's going to be the most famous person, but most fam- at the end of his career, he's going to be most famous for hitting a guy with his helmet and getting suspended for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, OBJ has been a disaster there generally, um, and Mayfield doesn't look like he's up to much at all. So that's, you know, nobody's believing in the Browns this year. Then they go and start off okay. They lose their first game to the Ravens, and they've won two since then, but they've kind of played nobody. And then they're playing the Cowboys, and they do beat them in that mad way. Beckham has his best game as a Brown, realistically. And... You know, but they concede a lot, and it's another stupid game that the Cowboys are involved in. But the story is all the Cowboys, so nobody's really buying into the Browns yet. You know, which is funny because they're playing the Colts this week at home, and they're plus two point five. And it's this is the test. This is like they're. they're I can't, I'm really surprised they're underdogs. I am picking them as one of my picks, so it's funny oh. that you should mention that. 
Um, but I don't feel good about it because you never feel good picking the Browns. You never truly believe in them. But they fired their coach last year. They do seem like they're just a better organized. They're a real football team this year. Whether they're any good or not, that's this week. We'll find out. You know, so it's an interesting one that you picked out, actually, because the Cowboys are just, they weren't supposed to be the mess this year. You thought that the Browns would be, and it's sort of the other way around, you know. So, yeah, the Cowboys are playing the Giants this week, who are probably the second or third worst team in the NFL. If they don't win that easily, they're minus nine and a half, and I didn't pick them because I just, I can't. You know what I mean? They've been too bad so far. They'll probably still make the playoffs. They're in the worst division uh, by a long way. Who else are your other two picks? Yeah. So again, I came off 3-0 and last week, so just give me a little bit of leeway this week. It's a really tough week. There's bye weeks that teams are riddled with COVID. You don't know. Actually, do you know, you're talking earlier about like, you know, oh, this is what's happening this weekend. There's not too much going on. And we know how COVID's affected the GEA. We don't know how it's going to affect rugby. Um, the NFL is on the precipice. Like, you know, it's so... it's um, One game was cancelled and one game was moved to last night this week because of outbreaks and there just seems to be things every day and you've got these massive traveling parties of like over a hundred for every game going all around the country and you kind of can't it sounds mad when you think about it yeah and there just isn't too many ga- and it's the worst affected place nearly in the world and there just isn't too many um weeks or windows that they can be moving games and stuff like that you know what i mean and they do seem more inclined to say here we're not going to have an outbreak can't just cancel it unlike the Premier League, who seem to be just saying, you know, we assume that you haven't been anywhere near anybody. If you test positive, you go off on your own and you play the match, you know. So I think it is, it's actually more responsible. But at the same time, uh, it just, I don't know. I can't, it's going to be weird. It's going to be interesting to see whether the season finishes and whether even all these three games go ahead this week. But anyway, they, uh, we'll, we'll play as if they are. Um, I'm going to go Browns plus 2.5 against the Colts at home. The New York Jets, I don't love the Cardinals. They've lost their last two games. Kyler Murray's a very, very good quarterback, and they can definitely put up points, um, but they, they're not in good form. And they are still minus six and a half at home, on the road to the Jets. Now, you shouldn't be picking a team who've lost their last two games minus six and a half on the road, but that's just how bad the Jets are. They're looking like 0-16 really this year. Yeah. They haven't got rid of their coach yet, and it's hard to see how they can get within a touchdown of anybody. So I'm going for the Cardinals in that one. And then the last one is the Washington football team. Uh, that's their official name. They're, on, they're at home to the Los Angeles Rams, and they're plus eight and a half. They're feisty. I went against them last, last week. I said with, I was actually really happy with this pick because I picked the Ravens minus eight at halftime, and they were minus 14 overall. And if I'd gone for the full game, it would have been a push because they stayed in it, and they just kind of are – somewhat feisty you know so i got the bet because they were up by i think 14 and half time um which is better odds as well but uh the rams definitely aren't as good as the ravens and i think they'll just hang with them a little bit and they're at home i don't think they'll win the game i think they'll probably lose by between six and eight but eight and a half is a pretty good uh number there so I, that's just going with a bit of pluckiness in washington and then I'm basically betting on the Browns to fight, like to finally step up and prove themselves. And then I'm basically betting against the Jets in the other game rather than for the Cardinals. One last test I'm going to have for you. Maybe I don't want you to answer it now. I'm going to put it out to the listeners as well. Just of what we were talking about there earlier on. Can anybody name to me a name? Give send us in a name at balls D O T I E or should the gaffer that 
is more common than Michael McCarthy across sport. <laughs> so you've got Mike McCarthy, NFL coach, Mike McCarthy, former uh, Kerry player, uh, Mick McCarthy, uh, soccer manager, and um, Mike McCarthy, the rugby player. I don't think... Balls of the editor, Mick McCarthy. I can't think of another one. I can't think of a name that even comes close. Was it Mick close. McCarthy who played, uh, he played in the Cork uh, football team in the, ni- in the team that won the All-Irelands in 89-90? There you go. Like, I, I can't think of a single one that... Uh, the only thing that, even, that I can even compare it to is um, Mick Foley, the wrestler, and Mick Foley, the <laughs> journalist. That's, and the Kildare footballer. That's true. And, and the Kildare footballer. There's three. So that's... That's the closest thing we've got is a wrestler. A we, we're park. up to six, I think, on the in the yeah. in, in my name. So yeah, fair enough. Uh, I'd be interested to hear. I'd be interested to hear. Anyone listening, if you can think of one that is more common than Mike Mike slash Mick slash Michael McCarthy, uh, tweet at balls dot and obviously if you've got any other views on the show, do so as well. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, you can find us by searching the build up on balls and all good podcast apps. Please do rate and review the show while you're there as well. It would mean an awful lot to us. If you're having a bet this weekend, please gamble responsibly. You can visit dunlewy.net for more information. But until we chat to you next week, find yourself. Bye.